Good morning, our Guten Morgen, Liz Rosenthal here in Berlin, and we are going to have another podcast here with Virtual. I'm Justine Harcourt de Tourville, and we're very excited to meet you this morning. Good, uh, welcome. Hi, Justine. Thanks for inviting me on the podcast. Well, appreciate it. Listen, we, you were at the VR uh, Now Summit, which covered VR, obviously, here at the Berlin Alley, and... You had a great presentation that talked a lot about uh, VR distribution, but before we go into that, let's talk about your biggest claim to fame in VR, the Venice Film Festival, which is strange <laughs> to be at Berlin Alley, and we'll talk about uh, the Venice Film Festival, but tell us about it. So Venice is obviously warm, <laughs> where we're, we're standing outside yeah. in the chill at the moment in Berlin. Um, so I'm one of the curators of Venice uh, VR, along with Michel Réac. Um, we set up the section, uh, it's the first official competition section in an A-list festival, A-list film festival, which is an important uh, distinction. Fact. Yes. Um, and so we set up the section uh, in 2017. That was our first edition, and we'll be in our third edition this year. Um, so uh, we're trying to um, show the world that VR and immersive content in general is a new entertainment and art form, and it's not just something that's a tech um, buzz or demo that I think is something that a lot of the entertainment industry believes. Right, and the winner last year was a very important winner, Um you want to tell us a little bit about that, please? Yeah, so the winner of our Grand Jury Prize last year was Spheres by Eliza McNett. And it's a project about looking at um, the Earth in the solar system in a completely different way and humanity through um, different theories around gravitational forces and planets. And it's an interesting project because it's pretty high profile um, very famous uh, film director who's an executive producer, Darren Aronofsky, and has uh, quite um, you know talent attached in terms of actresses. So there are three actresses who's, who, who voice over the three different parts, uh, Patti Smith, Jessica Chastain, and Millie Bobby Brown. Um, so it's really um, interesting to see now, we're starting to see some of this established ta- talent um, from film, from music and from uh, literature and from other different uh, art forms come into um, the immersive world. Yeah, that is exciting. And it was quite, uh, was it the first six figure, seven figure, seven figure uh Production in VR? Well, reportedly, so this was Sundance 2018. Um, it sold for a $1.4 million uh, fee by a licensing company that just set up then City Lights. Okay. So, well, this gives hopes to VR filmmakers everywhere that there can be great deals to be had. But one thing that you were talking about at the conference here was the need to have kind of a film festival strategy. Do you want to expound a little on that? Absolutely. So I would say, in fact, you have to have a distribution strategy for a project. And in terms of projects that are kind of more... It's always hard to qualify what a project is. I'm going to say artistic or cultural um, that suits a festival mm-hmm. run. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. Um, I think it's really important to think how you launch whatever you do. When you create something, any media property you or any art piece, you have to think where are you going to launch it. Mm-hmm. And so um, in terms of uh, festivals, you have to start thinking, you know, what 
festival has a lot of press, what has awards, um, where's the right territory. Obviously, there's a timing aspect of Mm -hmm. when you finish your project. Um, But I think with anything, there's always this idea of windowing, and that is just in any kind of product launch as well. And we're talking at media and art. So um, festivals are already important, but I think there are some projects you know, some projects that may not work in festivals, they're too expensive to mm-hmm. tour, or you should do one, um, and it should be the right place because of the what it's associated with. You know, some things start a Comic Con because they're super big brand uh, attached properties. Some uh, will go to a more artistic territorial festival that suits the nature of what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think any distribution plan, uh, you, you have to think of way and ahead. And I think it's something that's new to the VR um, community because it's been very much about demoing prototypes um, and because people kind of think there isn't an ecosystem but there is a business ecosystem and what's really important is if we don't value the things we're making and treat them properly in terms of um, business strategy then no one else is going to treat them in the same way absolutely another thing that you you had a whole list of uh, different kind of venues let's say that vr can be um displayed or excuse me exhibited rather and some of those are uh, rather uncommon do you want to go over a few of the ones that you put on the map that other people maybe are not thinking about sure thing so i i divided my distribution platform so i mapped out all of this as i mapped out all the different routes to distribution and exhibition Mm -hmm. for immersive content and um first there's online uh at home mobile entertainment right and then it's location-based entertainment so in the location-based entertainment um some of the more unusual ones i think all the things that people think wow this is in the future travel mm-hmm. um so there were deals recently uh, announced at ces uh between audi and disney um so this is for entertainment systems that start in a car in audi cars um you know in the back seat of this is cars that are still have drivers but you know this is something in the future that's kind of interesting is driverless cars so travel Uh is a a really interesting area um recently there were deals made at ces um for new types of immersive entertainment systems um especially around car uh, so car sharing rides like lyft there was an announcement um and then disney audi as well, who demoed a, a new platform. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in Los Angeles, uh, Flixbus is offering immersive content on their rides to Las Vegas, for example, as another you know usage that we haven't seen um, previously. Yeah. That's right. There are, and so there are theme parks um, right. that, in, in different sort of forms that are using VR. So theme park parks started uh, using VR as an overlay on existing rides. Right. And now there are sort of like, um, you know, native projects within theme parks. Uh-huh. Um, so I use an example, Darren Brown, who's a famous British illusionist. Um, they did a kind of reinvention of a ghost train in a big theme park in the UK. Um, that's one example. Then there's a huge VR-only theme park in China, um, which has these spectacular pictures. It looks totally sci-fi. Um, where it's, it's over a huge space, of course. It's China. Um, and then there are sort of more artistic sort of approaches to theme parks or micro-amusement parks like Two-Bit Circus. So those are two offers. And then I think, you know, in terms of 
the uh, you know public spaces, um, cities, cities. Um, buildings that are more kind of uh, you know libraries, other places. But the outside space, we should start, mm-hmm. is an interesting place when you think of mixed reality and augmented reality. There is, there, that's a platform in its own right, and we're starting to see, especially in countries that have some kind of public subsidy on public projects, um, that there are new partnerships. So, which ones can you can you think of a few that come to mind? Yeah. I mean, I can think of some things in the UK. There was this uh, lovely project with, actually, it was around the Gruffalo property uh-huh. by the Forestry Commission. So it's a public body that um, that supports our forests in the UK. And they did this beautiful augmented reality project uh, for families around the forests. Uh-huh, fantastic. With AR markers. Um and there'll be so many other things. I mean, there was something I read about recently. This is a virtual reality piece um, in Wellington in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the uh, municipality commissioned um, a virtual project around Wellington. Uh-huh. So there are, you know, there are all the, you know, immersive uh, tech can be used in so many different ways and oh. so many different platforms. Hospitals was another place. Um, obviously, uh, in certain countries, they're private. Yeah. and Well, we have private hospitals everywhere, but um, in public hospitals, it was something I read in the States, um, on or the West Coast, pain control. Um, and so there are companies making content for various sides of um, content to be used in um, treating people for, ver- for either pain or cognitive behavioural therapies. Right. Well, I've seen it also with... Um Patients uh, that can't get home for the holidays, for instance, uh, VR was coming into hospitals to give people a Santa sleigh ride or some element like that. So it, it makes a lot of sense. So hospitals are another place. I'm wondering though if cinematic um, will think of new ways to explore these captive audiences. Um, often we forget that uh, VR can be, uh, you don't need a headset to watch VR, to experience VR. Um, So another platform is the uh, domes, um, planetariums. Um, Sometimes you don't hold too many people, Uh um, but there's a huge new project that Madison Square Gardens um, is constructing, one sphere in Vegas and one in London that hold 25,000 people. Wow. That are for immersive entertainment. And when does that launch? Uh, 2021 and 2022. Okay, so more things to look at. All right, last question. We're going to talk, go back to Venice where, you know, all good things happen. And can you tell us what we can expect for this year's film festival or would you have any specific, specific advice you'd like to give to creators? So in Venice, we take all kinds of immersive formats. So virtual reality, mixed reality, um, hybrid formats. So from high-end complex installations uh, for multiple people with a lot of technology and sets and props to things that are 360. It's, you know, we're totally open to whatever's high-quality work um, across genre. Uh-huh. In Venice as well, we have a project finance market, the Venice Production Bridge Market. So it's half feature film and half immersive content. And it's a great place to, um, if you have a project in development, mm-hmm. um, looking for finance to find financiers because we invite all the major players from around the world in VR, both financiers, distributors, exhibitors, who well, across all these silos. Which filmmaker wouldn't like funding? So, <laughs> so excellent. And um, can you tell us about one thing I noticed last year? It was a spectacular um, show of women who did very well in the... Um, competition you have any thoughts on this 
So, yeah, we were very proud last year that we had almost 50% of the directors in um, Venice were women. And uh, this is completely different from the main competition sections of film festivals in general. And I think something I'm noticing is that there's a really strong community of women working in virtual reality. But I've always noticed this in innovation areas. Women tend to come in, even though people say, oh, this is about tech. And so there's a shortage of women in technology. Um, in the On the creative side, it's really different to the traditional media side. I've always seen a lot of women in my company, Power to the Pixel, when we did uh, competition pictures, it was always a majority women. Um, and I think it's often when there's not an established uh, structure, um, you find that it's easier for women to move into this area. But there's a fantastic uh, community of women who are very active and are very supportive of each other as well. Well, this is wonderful. And a high note to end this podcast talk. Liz Rosenthal, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you.